Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hello, hello. Dr. Dad's coming at you this beautiful afternoon. Dr. Nick. Looking fancy with that long hair. That must be pandemic hair because you haven't gotten a haircut yet. <laughs> Actually, I did get a haircut the other day, but I kept the. I kept oh, the you're just keeping bit. it. You're keeping just... it long and sexy right now. <laughs> I like it, buddy. It I'm looks good. good. Thank you. No, it does. It looks good on you, man. All right. I've now seen you from the shave. I've seen you from the shaved head all the way to like the long locks. So. I know. I, I got. I'm very uh, adaptable. I'll just keep right? it. Keep that adaptation going. Speaking of, of adaption and change, right? Yeah. Uh, today's guest, today's topic, this is a fun one. Um, I'm really excited. So this is a, a friend, acquaintance, slash patient, all of the above, right? Uh, so she's written an amazing book, but before I introduce her real quick, I just want to give some facts. So in the United States alone, roughly 1% of all births take place every year at home or at a birthing center. While this percentage may not seem significant, it does, however, represent a very real shift in the minds of more and more women away from conventional thought, which tries to dictate that hospitals are the only safe place to give birth. So today's guest is, uh, she wants to raise the level of awareness of home births so that women may have a safer, less invasive, and more personal childbirth experience. From her own journey, countless women have been inspired to take uh, to uh, take their own to, to, to start this new movement, right? So uh, let's real quick talk about um, the author of the book we have. It's called Born at Home, and the author's name is Alejandra Alvarez, and that is our, our, our guest today. And I just want to say a few things. So Alex is the vice president of Vista Hills Family Dental. In 2008, she earned an Associate of Applied Science degree in Management and Administration from the Hubbard College of Administration. She is married to Dr. Jose. Jose Alvarez, I know her husband as well, and they are proud parents of four beautiful children. So Alex, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come on with uh, me and Dr. Nick today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I've been excited to uh, talk to you and I'm all about questions. I love questions. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So real quick, Alex, can you just give us like a Cliff Notes version, a little bit about how you got inspired to just have a a home birth really from the get-go and then how that's led you all the way to now to where you decided to read a book so that you can share it with other women. Yes, absolutely. Well, I first started with, um, you know, having my first baby pregnant and my husband was, he just threw in the idea. He's like, Hey, what about a home birth? And I'm like, what? That's, that's not me. I always grew up thinking hospital is the way to go, but he really kind of threw that seed in there and I started doing research. Um, I looked at a really good documentary by Ricky Lake, and she, it really, I saw it, and it changed my perspective on how and why, why don't women go to the hospital? If you go to the hospital for surgery, for major stuff, heart attacks, that kind of sort of thing, having a baby is not a, you know, this, you know, major problem or a, where you need surgery. It's just a natural, it should be a natural thing. Now, Again, that's saying if you don't have any other, you know, huge conditions or medical history, none of that. If you're healthy and you're able to, absolutely, you can have it at home. I love it that you say that because it's birthing children is literally something women have been doing for like over 100,000 years, right? Like literally, this has been going on forever. And it's almost like conventional methods have tried to turn it into something that needs to be done in a hospital. And I, and I really hate to say that, but that's kind of where I'm at with it is like, we're naturally, you guys are born to do this. And there's only really one option for most women in their minds, right? I mean, you grew up with that. So I think it's awesome that you, you wrote this book and that you're opening people's eyes because you did the research, you looked into it, and you've had four kids this way, right? Yep, four successful home births this way. So, Dr. Nick, you need to share, brother, because you have two boys, and one was at home, and one was and one was at the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it's funny when you I haven't 
looked at that documentary in well years and we definitely watched that documentary before our first was born and so it's called the business of being born uh that ricky lake did and yeah it was eye-opening it it really we we culturally are, are all impressed upon that that uh the birth experience is a medical uh it's a it's a medical procedure and it's not anything to do with uh, a natural environment and then i and then through naturopathic school we i, I remember watching hypnobirthing and then we watched uh, a, a home a home birth and i thought to myself wow like i never even thought of this i i grew up uh i mean i was born uh through c-section uh, as a result of what my mom was told that she had uh uh, uterus or, or a pelvic floor that wasn't uh, conducible to to delivering child children the natural way and so that was her belief system and and so it was very normal I think uh, when we were when we were born so my whole history I got or my whole understanding got flipped on its head when when my my wife and I decided uh, more her than me uh, well, this is what we're going to do and I thought, okay, great, let's let's do it. We've watched the movies; it should be pretty straightforward. <laughs> so, and that, and with our first child, that's exactly what we did. We had it all set up, and unfortunately, we got to a place where I think she was about thirty hours in, or twenty. Yeah. It was over. It was over a day long, and we re- realized that she was really fatiguing, and it was time to go. And and um, ended up having a C-section at the end of it after watching my baby's or heart rise and fall um it was it was very i was terrified my wife was amazing throughout the entire process i was emotional and i don't know what to do i can't help you and she was a rock star and it blew me away the power that the women have in an experience like that of just the innate intelligence and digging in our second uh our second child was born at home you know it was like a four or five hour birth we had the pool I caught him. He was still in his end call, like he was still in the sack. And I was like, who is this little alien baby that I <laughs> just came out? I, I don't see a human form here. And I wasn't expecting to see a baby come out in a sack. And then, you know, he came out into the world and, and there, like he, was, he wasn't breathing when he came out because he didn't need to. And it was just mind blowing the contrast of these two birthing experiences and I had nothing but love for the staff that was at the hospital. They were phenomenal. And, and then to be able to see both was, was pretty remarkable. But, um, you know, if I had to choose and if we had a third, uh, I would 100% do it at home. So, so yeah. Alex, he's done this once, but you've done it four times. And in your book, they were, they were different every time, right? You kind of uh, evolved with this process throughout these four, four children you have. Yes, um, I think every birth I learned something different. Um, I encountered something different. You know, being my first one, it was my first. I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, things went kind of uh, scary for a moment where they didn't realize that I have a tendency to bleed a lot. Um, it was probably due to the vitamins I was taking, um, but they, I, she couldn't stop the blood. And I just, and throughout this whole process, I learned that I have a family history that we just bleed easily. We're just bleeders. So knowing if I would have known those facts at the time of the birth, um, she would have been able to give me the right, the proper medication to stop the bleeding. And then my second one, I had a nine-pound baby. And if you're at the hospital, if I was, I would have had that baby C-section because nowadays they consider that women can do a nine pound baby which i did and i did it at home so that one was different and then my third i didn't have a water birth. i was at a rental home i didn't have the option of a tub and i just said no i want to wing it just just go with it so i had the baby on, on, on a bed so i can compare what i hope what a water birth and a bed birth was like and now for my fourth you know uh, other things happen so Throughout the process, I kind of learned something new. So I thought, you know what, I need to They were all different. Like every pregnancy is different. Um, but I really learned every experience. And I'm so glad that I'm able to talk about it and everything, you know, turned out well. But it's, it's yeah, it was a learning process. 
So I'm sure this was quite the learning curve, like you're saying, and, and every experience was different, but you weren't in this alone. So one of the big things you talk about in the book is finding the right midwife to take this journey with you, right? So can you talk a little bit about that process and, and um, what important things that you looked for in finding the right person for this? Yeah, well, for one thing, I think um, finding the right midwife, you have to ask a lot of questions, like how many births have you delivered? How many went to the hospital? How many stayed home? Do you take high-risk patients? Do you, you know, do you like to take the more, you know, not so high-risk um, you know, what, how many years have you been experienced with a good one? So we have a, a, a director, um, well, several occasions in El Paso. She happened to be the director of that birding center. Um, my particular one had a lot of experience. She typically takes the high risk. She likes the patients that have had hospital births and are transitioning to home births. She likes to take patients that have had C-sections and want to try the home birth. And they tell you, you have a C-section, you can't have a natural birth anymore. That's not true. So again, the research had to do with it, but if you're gonna go out and find a midwife, you definitely need to ask those questions. How many births went you know, right? How many went wrong? How many times were you transferred to the hospital? And do you have those connections at the hospital? Um, my midwife happened to have all that. So I said, you know what, This I feel, that she's the right person for this. And I was very fortunate to have her all with all four of them. Um, and her experience, I'm glad to say that she's teaching others what she's been doing. Um, so yeah, definitely those questions are a must that you should ask in interviewing in the midwife. Well, and I would imagine that you kind of have to vibe with this person as well, because it's a very intimate experience that you're going to have at home. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I mean, you really want to find the, the right person outside of just qualifications. You really got to have that connection, right? Absolutely. I mean, a simple conversation that you guys get along is, goes a long way. Um, how does she treat her other students? I would see a lot of that. How's her bedside manner? You know, I would have an appointment with her at a certain time, and she was always on time, or sometimes earlier. That told me a lot. Like, you know, she has a passion for this. How does she treat your other siblings that are in the home? I mean, she's got this huge, you, you just feel that love for the kids, for the babies. And that to me was like, wow, this lady is really something. Um, but that, um, and you definitely have to get along with her. Like, you guys. You know, just a simple hug. Her hug lasts three seconds. She just holds you and gives you a true, genuine hug. And that goes a long way. So, yeah. Sounds like a wonderful woman. Um, so, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, we've, we had two birthing teams, two different ones. The, the first, for our first uh, child, we had one team. And then that was the first thing he said when we went back to the same midwives, they, they kind of really, they made us, made me feel especially uh, nervous about having uh, a VBAC, a vaginal birth after C-section. And after coming out of that meeting, when Sonia and I looked at each other and went like, man, that felt kind of ominous. Like I didn't feel the kind of confidence that we want to hear from a midwife. You know, what should we do? So we actually didn't go with the first midwives that we had our, our first child with. And we sought out another one that instilled confidence. And, and, and then we got the right doula too. So I was hoping you could also talk about the role of a doula and how that differs maybe a little bit from the midwife, because our doula was phenomenal and so confident with VBAC and, and it was, it sure settled my mind so that I wasn't, you know, protective man bear trying to tell my wife how to, how to have her second child. It was more like, okay, we've got a strong team that I feel confident about. And should we need to, we can always go to the hospital just because that was our first experience. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how do you round out the team? Uh, you could find the right midwife. What's next? Um, a doula. A doula is, um, I think, phenomenal. When uh, I was very fortunate that I found the doula before and the doula referred the midwife. Yeah. And that's who I stuck with. So the doula, really, her role is all for the mother. She's there just for the mom. She's there to, to alleviate, to kind of, um, her whole point and her whole goal is for you not to get epidural. 
we'll do anything, massage, ice pack, anything during that birth. And that's what I found now that she's strictly for the mom. Now the midwife is there for the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the doula process, so the whole while you're going through birth, she's there giving you massage, ice pack. Um, you know, our doula was very. Uh, she gave me classes before. She offers classes on how to birth, even simple classes like how to bathe a baby. I mean, this was we were a new parents. We're like, how do you even hold a baby? But she teaches you all that, and you know these classes were very basic. And you think, wow, like I don't know how to hold a child, but there's other people that don't, or even how to uh, birth, how to, I mean, sorry, a bathe, and also the nursing. Nursing is a huge way, and doulas also serve that purpose. Like I said, she's there really for giving that mom that confidence. Um, and like I said, her goal is for you not to get the girl, and that to me spoke wonders because that's one thing I didn't want was the epidural mm-hmm. and that was her main goal in life was this is what i'm here for this is my job so i i really took that and and she, and she did she delivered it i did not get any epidurals at all mm-hmm. any epidurals. you know i i highly recommend a doula to any woman having a baby mm-hmm. um clarissa had a doula uh Wonderful, 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 wonderful woman. Her name's Sarah Adelman. She doesn't live in El Paso, unfortunately, anymore. I wish she did. Uh, she lives in Colorado, but man, what? Um, she's a yogi, man. So it was really cool because the whole pregnancy, she literally did yoga with Clarissa. She did meditation, and it was all to just open up the pelvis and get her ready to have a baby. And it was such a cool process to watch because Clarissa didn't struggle with like low back pain and, and issues, you know, like that a lot of women will have when they start to get into that latter trimesters. Uh, and she felt really good during the whole process. And then, yeah, she was there. She helped us with our birthing plan. Like she just puts, put the mom at so much ease. And they're just like that. You have like your PIC to, to walk you through that, that process, like your own little consultant, right? And so um, for women who haven't had them, absolutely, man. I mean, hands down, great experience. And, and Clarissa would probably say absolutely. Yeah, definitely recommend it. All right, so we got our team, right? There's no other, nobody else that we need for the team. We got the doula and the midwife. So Alex, can you speak a little bit, because this was a big theme of your book, of what are all the benefits of having it at home? Like, what does that look like? Okay, you talked about like the quiet birth and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, you know, just having the whole environment and the space for the mother to like bring this child into the world. Can you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, well, um, I mean, first of all, you're at your home, you're in your room, you're in your space. Um, there's nothing like that. I think um, you can't replace that with a hospital. I've never been to a hospital to just seeing, you know, um, you can have candles, your music. Um, you have kind of like the area where you can walk around while you're going through the baby pain. While you're in a hospital, you're going to be tied down to a bed and to monitors on your arms and monitoring all sorts of stuff. That's not necessary. Um, you know, I was, you know, I was in the tub, and the midwife had a heart monitor in case the baby's heart rate would go up. So this was like a portable one that they would put in the water or if it was out walking. Um, so that's really all you need. Um, but you're in your space. You get dim the lights. You can have like a soft kind of setting, candles. And that, just keeping your mind off of that, I mean, all these distractions help you going through the pain. I know I remember my first birth, I was getting onto the bed. We had like a bed holder. And I would hold on to this and put the pressure so I was getting a contraction while walking. So again, just going through the contractions, my average birth from start to finish lasted three hours. That's unheard of at a hospital, but because I think that distractions, the fact that you're able to walk around, that you're able to kind of uh, relax a little bit with like a fall setting is, I mean, by far the best way and um, so much more calming. And again, you can control the noise. You don't have people coming into your room, checking, oh, how's this, how's that, the bright light. No one bothers you other than you and the midwife and your partner, your husband, um, whoever you want to be at your birth. But you can't compare that to a hospital setting. 
I know a lot of women just heard you say three, four hour births and they're like, bullshit, right? Like they're like, there's no way. Cause like I, Clarissa had Diego and I think she, we were at the hospital and she was had her contractions and labor. And it, I think it was like a, almost a, like from beginning to end, it was almost 24 hours. Like that whole process. Wow from start to finish, you know? And so you, I hear you say that and I'm thinking, well, absolutely. I mean, a hospital can be a stressful place, especially when it's time to do something like that. Um, Nick, were you going to say something, man? Um, well, yeah, just, I guess on that note, um, so many women either maybe hearing this or, or those that just go through this uh, process on their own, like, what do you think the biggest, thing that's keeping them from from trying a home birth because i imagine there's a whole lot of fear just because they they would have never even thought of it probably so how do how do you help women understand this like because it makes sense to to me and it makes sense because we've been through it why it would be so great to do it at home but i'm also a doctor and i am aware of more things physiologically speaking so I, my comfort level maybe is higher than other people uh, and maybe the partners, I mean, there, there'd probably be challenges with partner, you know, the, again, the man's role typically in a relationship is to protect. And so maybe they feel like they wouldn't let that happen because they're going to protect their wife. And, you know, I've, I've had conversations with, with couples around this too, and it's, it's fascinating dialogue. So how do you help women and men and the family unit uh, move into this decision or, or at least uh, entertain it? Well, I know for one thing, um, and that I think it's huge, and I talk about it in my book, is that the minute you decide to explore the option, you say you want to explore the option of having a home birth, is do your research. And then once you found that, if you can find, whether it's your husband or your mom or someone that agrees with you and that would kind of um, support you in your sense. In my case, it was my husband. My husband kind of planted the seed. I started doing research. I started finding, like, maybe there's a possibility. And he supported that. The minute I communicated an idea to my mom, for example, she, don't you dare. She scared me. I said, you know what? I I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to tell her anymore. I'm going to tell her what she wants to know. And that is, I'm going to go to the hospital. This is my doctor. Everything's going to be fine. Because I didn't want any negative in given, I didn't want to hear the negative. I wanted to just stay positive. All I needed was my husband and the midwife to know, and I, I went like that um, because I would recommend you stay away from the negative. You don't need to, as it is, having a baby is hard enough and it's scary enough. Everybody has four stories and wonderful stories. If you want to stay away from that because that influences you a lot and it scares you. So, staying positive. Um, continuing with that and as long as you have one person that agrees with you and you want to go for this go for it because that's really all you need like i said my husband was a big supporter and he was like okay we're going to do this together and that's all i needed for that and again if your husband is not on the same page then you know then we have to go back and say re-look at it again. but staying positive is a huge thing so the minute you start telling people i stayed quiet nobody knew that i was having home birth other than my husband and the midwife and that goes for the second time around as well. I had to tell my mom, you know, I didn't make it to the hospital. Oops, I had the baby. And then the second time around, I, I, I had to wire her again. I, I had to tell her, look, I'm going to do it at the hospital. But I didn't. After that the second one, she was like, okay, you're on to something. But I had to prove her wrong. And I did four times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I proved her wrong. And she now she tells everybody, oh, consider a home birth. But you see where she had to have success stories in order for her to agree with it. So I think the more success stories you hear, um, it, it kind of helps you with that. It, there's a positive thing. That's why I wanted uh, to make this aware to people because there's not much success stories out there. And if, I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that's what I tell all kinds of women is like, I did it, you can do it. There's nothing different from us. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Is there, is there any specific women you know, maybe or conditions or situations where that wouldn't be a good idea. Maybe so women can sort of understand, like here's some contraindications to doing a home birth. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know of any without actually having gone through it the first time because, you know, VBAC is one and maybe, 
uh, someone who's really overweight or diabetic, like maybe if you could kind of talk about what are some of the, the more common risk factors? Yeah, I think, well, um, I think from, from my understanding is if you're already having a high risk pregnancy, let's say you already have uh, that uh, gestational diabetes or you're overweight or there's already, you know, you've had a hard time getting pregnant, I would say, you know what, no, I would stick to your traditional high-risk doctor, they know. Um, but I think I'm more of a, I don't have any ma major medical or any health conditions. I, my pregnancies have all been very smooth. Um, that's really what I can tell them. I don't know, if, you know, Dr. Wardy, you can see there's a lot of high-risk stuff that uh, can go with this, but that's just what I know, uh, what I would recommend women. But if you're already having problems in your pregnancy, I would say, no stick to traditional until you seek medical someone that can advise you better than i can yeah. you know and it's interesting that you said that because you know we me and clarissa had planned on doing our home birth but before we had diego clarissa was diagnosed i think about it was like two or three years before he was born with a uh, autoimmune hemolytic anemia so at that time, you know, when we went to our doctor and we talked to her when she got pregnant and everything, she was automatically labeled high risk. But in retrospect, after going through that whole process and actually understanding Clarissa's disease and, and what she was struggling with and where she's at now and, and where we were then and just the whole big picture, right? I don't agree with the advice that we were given. I honestly don't think that Clarissa's autoimmune condition would have hindered her from having a home birth. Okay. And I kind of, I'm, I'm listening to you talking about how you interviewed some of these midwives and they were comfortable with high risk. I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt right now thinking, well, maybe we should have talked to some midwives and had some conversations and dialogue. And one of them, like Nick was saying, may have had that confidence that we need to hear and said, hey, no, you're good. Like, I, I, I can, you know, we can do your high risk. Even though you're high risk with that, I don't think that's going to be an issue and we'd be good. So, I mean, just goes to show you, like you were saying, if you don't educate yourself, if you don't do the research and create the awareness, it's a missed opportunity. And, and, it, and, it, and it, I'm listening to you and, I'm, you know, you have this hospital comparison of giving, having a, a, a child and then at home and they're like polar opposites, right? And... And it's like you're saying, like your mom was like, oh, no, no, no. And if you had just gone with mom's belief system and not questioned that, you would have missed this beautiful opportunity, number one, to have these experiences, but also to be able to share it with other women. So that's such a powerful message. That's why I wanted to just kind of reiterate that because so many people, the moment people question what they want to do, they back off and they, and they don't ever move forward with it. And what you said earlier was so important. Because you were like, you know what? No, I did the research. You know, I'm going to go forward with this. And you didn't let the neg negativity bring you down. You moved forward. And look what came out of this. And I should mention that all my pregnancies, all my, I had the same midwife, but I also had an OBGYN. Because I didn't want for, let's say, God forbid something happened in the, uh, the, my first pregnancy. I didn't want someone to tell me I told you. Because I wanted all my angles to be covered. So I had an OBGYN right by me in case I did have to be transferred to the hospital. I can say, you know what, I have a, I have a doctor already. She can see me. So my first OBGYN that I had, I told her about my idea. And it was a woman. And I told her, I said, you know what, I'm thinking about having a home birth. Oh, my God. She discouraged me so bad. She said, are you crazy? It's going to hurt. It's a painful I was like oh my goodness and I would like to do this I mean so throughout my pregnancy my my uh, appointments I told her am I at high risk am I like you are perfect you can have this baby standing up if you wanted to right now I said great can I have this baby at home she said no I was like well what's the difference you know so that told me that she's advising me something wrong so I prepaid her I did it I, I had her book but at the same time, I was with my midwife, and I said, I'm going with plan A with having at home birth. So I had the baby, you know, just at home, and she would not call me. I mean, my due date passed, and nothing. So weeks later, she contacted me, and she, her nurse, her assistant, well, what happened? Well, I had the baby at home, and I went to go do a follow-up with her, 
she didn't even look at the baby. She was so upset. I had to refund her money. That she had to refund my money. She discouraged me because I can't believe you did that. The dangers. I just, I mean, it came in through one and not the other. I was like, you know what? I'm never seeing you again. And she was a friend um, of my husband. So, anyways, I do recommend seeing an OBGYN that can kind of um, agree with you. So my next pregnancies, I found another doctor who didn't tell me 100% that I could have the baby at home, but he discouraged me. He said, you know what, um, I'm going to just see you, your appointment, and I, every appointment I would ask him, can I have this baby at home? He said 99.9, yes. I said, that's all I need. Every appointment I had to think. After the fourth baby, he's like, you know what, Alex, I'll give you my blessing, go have your baby. I mean, he was fine. <laughs> So, um, yes, I, I do want to say that, that you should have an OBGYN right by you. And I would compare my notes, what my midwife said, what the OBGYN said. The same. It was almost identical. I said, I'm, no, I'm in good hands right now, so I'm going to continue the rhythm. So really the second, third, fourth, I kept the same OBGYN. I probably didn't have to do that. But again, I wanted to cover all my angles. God forbid something did happen. I already had a doctor in line and knew my history as far as medical wise goes that I can say he can he can take care of me. And that's all I needed. So definitely I recommend doing that same thing. But again, it's finding that right person, that right doctor who's a little more organic, who's a little more open to that. And you might not ever, and I never got an agreement saying you're doing a good choice, you're gonna have it at home. He never said that, but he never did tell me that I couldn't. So like I said, he said 99.9, .9, you can have this baby at home. And that's, that was good enough for me. Well, and I guess it's important of the role they understand they're playing, right? I mean, you're going to the doctor to consult with you while you're having a child to check all these baselines and monitor, right? So they should respect, as long as everything looking fine, the mother's choices on some degree. So yeah, you're right. I think that's that's huge. So that's the dream team, right? We got the doula, we got the midwife, and then we have the OBGYN. So we've got to dip into the health stuff, Alex, because... That's a big part of why a lot of people actually choose to have their children at home is the aspect of it's a vaginal birth and the way the baby's coming into the world and they're getting to breastfeed right away. I and mean, there's all these things happening. And Nick, if you know some of these things, I'd like you to speak to some of this. Oh, what, from a health aspect for, from the long term for our children, why is it so important to possibly consider doing this at home versus in a hospital? Because of the process during the birthing process. Did you hear me? Nick? Well, I was, I was waiting for you to answer. Oh, Alex. no. Yeah. I, either person, go. I'd like to hear you both talk about this. A yeah, bit. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think um, one of the reasons why I chose home was because I was able to nurse the baby right away. I mean, from watching that documentary on the business of being born, you I didn't know this, but they give the baby sugar water um, to get to flush the, the, if the mom had an epidural, um, they have to flush all that out of the system of the baby. So that to me was like, no. And then they hand you this baby, you know, you thinking he's hungry and you're ready to nurse. No, because they just given him sugar water to flush out those, the, you know, the drugs that the mom might've had. So that to me was like, oh, absolutely not. Um, and second, you know, the probing of the eye drops, and the dull, and it's like, is that necessary? I, I didn't want any of that stuff. Um, so that also spoke to me a lot, where, um, you know, at a home, I had my baby, she handed them to me. The fact that the placenta stays attached is huge, because all those nutrients, and the, you know, the baby is receiving them at that time. I know there's a lot of, about freezing the placenta and saving it for stem cell research. I get it, and that's that's fine, but what communicates to me was that the, the nutrients can be given to that baby at that moment. And why not give my baby those nutrients at that time by leaving the placenta and letting it clamp it when the cord stops to pull? All those nutrients are, you know, like I can give my, my baby now. Um, so that spoke a lot to me. Um, and learning through the process of what, how important the placenta is and the nutrients is, is huge. 
So can you talk a little bit more about that, about the umbilical cord? Because I know there's a little bit of a process there when the baby's born and then you push the placenta and then you leave it attached for a while. And there's reasons that we do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you want to leave that uh, that cord attached into itself pulsing. Why? Because all that blood that's in there is pulsing and all those nutrients are given to the baby. So at the time, I know there's a lot of, of freezing the stem cells. That is what's frozen, is what's in that placenta. But again, it's versus giving them to them now, other than freezing them, and you have it in the bank, and then they use it for stem cell research. But what, what I like is that I, I, wanted, I want my kids to have it now. Um, so yes, we would, uh, it stays attached, so the baby's on with the placenta, and you see this, uh, umbilical cord just pulsing, and you can leave it. You just and you wait until it all goes white, and then you clamp it. Um, that's what one of the things that we I did them all with all four of my kids, and I didn't realize until the third thing. I was like, "What is she doing? Like, this is important. This is all the nutrients that goes into the baby." Um, typical hospital, they're just gonna clamp it. You're done. Whether you want those stem cells or not, you decide. But um, Nick, can you speak a little bit to some of those things? I mean, yeah, I, lo- <clears throat> I love that you said that because you gotta you gotta think that the obviously the baby's attached to the placenta. Mm-hmm. The baby through the communication of being inside mom, there must be some reason why there's it's still pulsing despite the you know the birth already happening. It's like obviously, you know, when I go to reach up pick up something my my brain to hand have have made a connection just like when a baby is going through this amazing birthing process that's challenging for the baby it's communicating directly to mom and and through the placenta so yeah no doubt like obviously you want to let those nutrients and that communication system continue until until it stops until the pulsing stops i think i love that you said that i think that's super important and one thing that I, i was reflecting on as you were speaking was that you know especially as new parents, you know, you got your birth, your birthing plan. And I don't really remember a birth plan for the second one, other than we planned on having the baby at home, but I'm sure we had something written out. But nonetheless, once you're in the system, in the hospital system, I kind of felt like the decisions were being made for us instead of we were helping to guide the decisions. They're kind of like, well, this is what we should do next. And then you think, well, that doesn't really look like it matches what my birth plan says, but now I feel uh, insignificant in this system. And so if you think that that's a good idea, I guess that's the right decision. And, and so it's not as easy to stick to a birth plan when you're in the hospital, I find, because there's procedures, there's timelines, there's things that are happening in a certain you know, amount of time, even for the OBGYNs, like at this time, this is, you're seeing this patient, this patient, and this, I mean, it's no different than being in the clinic here. It's like, you're expected to be certain places at, at given times in the day. And it's, you can't help but feel like that's sort of part of, you're part of the system. You're, you're sort of there. And so it's hard, I found it hard to navigate our birth plan once we were there. And so that, I think that's another reason why it's important to be to be doing things at home if you can. And again, if the comfort levels are, their team is there and the risk factors are low and, you know, why not? Um, so, I, yeah, I love that you brought up those points. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, for anyone who's out there who's listening to this, it's even considering it. Uh, you, you have to be your own researcher. You have to look into this. You ask people and ask those that where you feel comfortable. Because like you said, even just creating any stress around it is really would sometimes makes a decision for you too, right? It's kind of like, well, oh, well, if that person thinks that I'm, I'm a bad mom and I have yet to be a mom and, and going to the, or doing a birth at home makes me a bad mom, I, you're going to start to feel that. You feel judged by the people around you. So, yeah, you, you, you really do need to, you know, read your book. I think people should read your book and, and learn more about this process and learn about the beauty of it and uh, and because anytime we've got more information, we can make those educated choices. So yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on that. But I'm curious, like people, so let's say people have done the research they're, they're They've gone through, they've asked the questions. Um, what sort of the, you know, what, what are some other things that they maybe can expect um, by having a home birth? Because I was thinking just to myself, like having the music, having all that, the, the wonderful environment was amazing, but it was also like, I felt as a husband, I got to really step into more of a role 
being at home, partnering with a doula. Like I felt like I was the doula's assistant for my wife. And so um, if you could speak about like that other important person, again, it could be your husband, it could be your sister, it could be someone else. But if maybe if you can just talk a little bit more about some of the roles. Yeah, I think my husband, um, for me, was my husband, but um, just someone being there. I mean, you're going through these pains, and it's the most painful thing you've ever imagined going through. But him seeing that, holding your hand, I mean, giving you something to grasp on, um, you know, it's almost like you're going, going together with this. I mean, he, there's one of the birds, I squeezed his hand so hard because I just, I, I needed something to grab on and he felt them he was there he's like oh my god he's like my hand's numb the next day <laughs> so like well you can imagine what i went through but it's it just it's nice that he have that same we're on the same page that we have that bond that he saw me go through that he has much more appreciation for this um but yeah he was he ended up being almost the assistant to the doula like you know what the baby get this we're gonna touch the baby going to clamp that cord um and being that i think the involvement and he's just so much more um involved with the kid i don't think that makes a big difference but you know going through that makes a big difference um seeing that seeing the same page um the pain that you're going through is it's huge and i can talk about it and communicate that to him and i think also that helps you with distractions a lot mm-hmm. you know my my fourth birth i was in the tub and i was going to i almost had the baby so soon but the tub wasn't being filled fast enough i was like i'm ready to get in the tub but it was still being filled and he wasn't home yet he was actually on his way home so i felt like i couldn't have the baby without him like where is he where is he but it was my fault i anyway but he he finally made it and within 10 minutes i mean the baby was out but i couldn't do it without him arriving i was like i need to be here and you know just again i was missing that person that important person in there so um but again it's it's that that those pains going through together i almost felt like he felt the same pain that i was going through just by him being there and seeing me through this i love that you said that because it, it did it felt like an initiation for our relationship with yeah. my wife and my and and i got to see her in tears me up just thinking about it but i got to see just how powerful she was or she is and it's so humbling to think that women what they go through in this birthing experience is probably the most beautiful thing that you could do to bring a life into to this world and to be witness to that as a husband husband is like you know right there you just want to bow down to your to your woman and go my goodness i have no idea what it is that you're going through, but I want to be here. And this is the only place in the world I want to be. And then, and then obviously getting a chance to meet your little person is, is phenomenal, but the strength of women is unbelievable. What, what you women are capable of doing in, in that experience literally brings us to our needs, us men. And so, you know, I think, you know, regardless, that, that can happen in a hospital too, but there's something very sacred about being able to do that at home because yeah. your guard is down. You can be so empathetic towards your woman. And again, it could be your, your, your sister, whoever, whoever's there, whoever that important person is in your life uh, that's helping you there. It's, it's taking you through initiation, something that will change you for the rest of your life. And, and I anchor back in those moments often when I want to just remember like how important this person is in my life. I can anchor back to that moment and go like, wow, uh, you know, I, I, I will do whatever I can to support you in this life because you've done the most amazing, incredible thing for, for me and my family. So uh, just that's more of a hats off to women in general. But if you could sort of speak to, I guess, some of that, just the, the beauty of this experience and um, uh, which you've done already so, so well, but uh, it's very empowering. So if you could talk about like empowering women through an experience like this. I think in, uh, just having a baby alone and with you following your 100% birth plan, it puts you in the driver's seat. You are in complete control over what you do, what your decisions you make. Compared to a hospital, like you mentioned, you're on their turf. Yeah. You're on their rules, their turf. They're going to tell you what to do, what to say, how to lay, where, you know. At home, I think you're in the driver's seat and you can decide for yourself. Just simply on when it's time for you to go into the tub. 
you know when that time is up. You you have this sense of feeling like, you know what, I need to get in this tub. I'm ready. Or the position that you're going to be in. Apparently, the, the, the worst position that you can have a child is laying down on a bed mm-hmm. of how the hospital is doing. That's the worst position you can have. The best position is, you know, all hands four or on your knees. Um, and the water tub gives you that ability to move and find your spot. I don't know if you've ever seen a simple, I hate to compare it, but, you know, we're all mammals, is a dog. When a dog is about to give birth, they move around and they're trying to find their spot. And they're trying to, and finally, they, you know, constant moving, and then they have these puppies. A woman, you know, like I said, we're all mammals, but same thing. I mean, I had a hard time. I had to find the position and move and, okay, this, that, in the top. But you have that ability. Like I said, you're in the driver's seat compared to in a hospital. You're going to be bound to the seat. And if you move, you're going to you know, all these cords that are tied to you. But that's the worst position a woman can have a baby is laying down in a bed. So, again, that research came to me. I was like, oh, my God. And why do we have these women going to this? No wonder they're, they have this horrible experience compared mm-hmm. to at home you find that spot, you find that position, um, you're in the driver's seat, you're in complete control. And by you going through these pains and you feel every single pain that you're going through when you have this baby, you have your reward. I mean, it's like, it's just the empowerment and that feeling of accomplishment is huge and it's so irreplaceable. Um, It's just a huge accomplishment that, look what I just did, look what I just, you know, brought to the world, and it's just, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling, and I think I can't compare it to anything else other than having babies. Hmm. Well, one of the things that, that made me think, uh, or I thought of when you were speaking was, was just, you know, for women who, you know, again, maybe you're considering this for their family, is, is that the level of intuition that you have in knowing the position to be in, how to move your body, um, the freedom in, in intuition, if maybe you can speak a little bit to that, because, you know, it's something, again, for your first one, you've never done it before. And you said every birth is so different too. So there's intuition that comes into all of these experiences. Absolutely. I think they call it the, the motherling, you know, the motherling thing that you have. It just, it, it comes to you, but it also, I think by you being, having an open mind, and I think by you um, having a clear mind also, you don't want to be under the influence of anything, you know, or, or epidurals or none of that stuff. I mean, you want to have a clear mind to where you can get these thoughts and your, um, where these intuitions come to you. Um, I've always said that 60% of a labor is all in the mind. You have to have a clear mind and open to where, you know what, it's all in the mind. You have to understand that you're going to go through a pain but it's going to go away. It's not going to be forever. And telling that to yourself during your pregnancy, during like knowing that and understanding that you are trying to have a baby that's very painful, but knowing that the pain will go away. You have to go through this. It's not like the easy button where we can push an easy button. Oh, I have a baby. You know, it's no, you have, there is some work to be done and you have to have that mentality and a clear mind where you're going to understand that, okay, this is what I'm going to go through. It's going to go away. And at the end, voila, you have a prize. You have this beautiful baby that you just had. So that I always tell people is 60% of it is in the mind. The rest is you're pushing the 40%. I mean, think about it. That's more than the actual pushing. Is you have to have a clear mind on what you're going to about to embrace. Super important, you know, get your mind right, ladies. You're about to bring, bring another human being into this world. That mind better be ready to go, right? Oh, yeah. I think what you said earlier is the midwife, the doula gave you guys meditation, gave you yoga, all that stuff. It's just to kind of calm you, kind of clear the mind. You know, that helps tremendously. Oh, yeah. I saw it firsthand. Totally awesome great great part of the process i think everybody needs that you just need that like you're saying you need it you need someone to guide you you need someone to mentor you through the process 
Alex, thank you so much for coming on today. So real quick, I got to give a shout out to your book again. So it's The Modern Mom's Guide to a Calm and Healthy Home Birth in a Hectic World Born at Home. So where can they find the book, Alex? So um, barnesandnoble.com has it, amazon.com has it, um, that where they can order it online, or um, I think local Barnes and Nobles here, I'm not sure other uh, states, but... Um, Definitely online, Amazon and barnesandnobles.com, they can find it. And then is there anybody, is there anywhere people can follow you on social media, like if they're interested or if they had questions or anything like that? Yes, I have an Instagram page also on Hamda Alvarez, and then I have Born at Home. So if they can follow me, I give tips and other stuff on there. So an Instagram account I do have. Awesome. I'll be sure to post all that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Okay. Great. Nick? Well, well, yeah, I mean, this has been such a fun conversation and it's so good to go down memory lane again and just, you know, remember the, the, the amazing experiences that we've all had. Um, what are, we, we always get people to, to, or our guests to leave a little home play experiment or, or something that they can, you know, help to develop maybe some understanding or whatnot. So do you have any sort of recommendations? It could be for like, uh, soon to be parents or any recommendations for people who want to explore? I mean, I think reading the books, an amazing one, but any, any tips? Yes. Well, I think, um, doing your research, you have to, you know, look at, ask, ask, well, you'd be surprised by you asking even your OBGYN, your friends, you guys know any midwives, you know any doulas, and that opens up the gate to so many, um, definitely reading the book on tips, but research, doing your research. If you're really looking into this, you know, um, research is how I started, and I definitely recommend watching that uh, documentary, The Business of Being Born by, Rick, by Ricky Lake. Mm -hmm. That opened up my horizon tremendously. Awesome. And that's a good one, even if you're not, you know, pregnant. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a really important, I think, documentary, because it's our gen future generation. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. Alex, thank you again. This was amazing. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, good. Thank you so much for inviting. I really appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. That was amazing. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.